You're listening to Modern Marketing, a podcast brought to you by Influicity. At Influicity, we build brand communities that drive revenue. Learn more at Influicity.com. On today's episode, Influicity CEO John Davids talks with Ricky Carden, brand marketing at Microsoft. Ricky, thanks so much for coming on the show. Why don't you give us a quick 30 seconds on who you are and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my name is Ricky Carden. I work at Microsoft. I specifically focus on brand marketing for the Windows consumer business. So uh, that's, that's kind of what I do. Yeah, exactly. It's a little company, I know. They're in the news a lot this week. So a lot of exciting things happening, I think. Absolutely. And so your function within Microsoft, can you just give us some context? Because you know, saying I'm in marketing at Microsoft, that could be 20 different things. What do you actually do? Of course. Yeah. My team is accountable for developing the creative kind of expression of the Windows consumer brand. So we're responsible for the launch of Windows 11. We did all of the kind of the visuals, the videos, the the social posts and content, all, all of the how that brand got expressed through the launch moment is what my team does. We influence a lot of other channels through kind of, hey, social team, can you post these videos? Hey, web team, we want the website to look like this. But then ultimately, those people kind of go do their thing. Because again, Microsoft, a little bit of a big company. So we've got very specific functions in the big organization, in the big machine. And what do you think? I'm kind of curious, and maybe you grew into this role, but what what skills would you need to have someone like you? Are you a creative type? Are you a an analytics type? What 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 yeah. personality trait are you? Yeah, good question. I've always been kind of the art space. I've, co- I've always been like interested in graphic design. I've always been interested in illustration and drawing. Um, I've positioned my career to kind of chase after that and kind of be in that space and be and surround myself with people who do it much better than I do. I started out as more of like an integrated marketing manager. What that is for people who don't know, it's like at a big company like Microsoft, you need someone to be able to champion your product launch, your campaign, your initiative within the company with a bunch of other groups because they all have their own priorities and they're all focused on their own thing. So I started out there kind of working with a lot of different people. I think in, the, in a given week, I work with a couple hundred people. This team does this, this team does this. And so my job is orchestration, kind of, hey, can you commit to this? Like, And writing that down, documenting it, sharing it up and around to everyone, who, everyone else. Uh, as you know, kind of once you get kind of a critical mass, people start to be like, yeah, man, let's do it. Let's go big with this one. And then that's how you kind of get the impact you're looking for. Yeah, it's almost like as much of a creative job, it's actually a much of a, a sales job because you have to be excited about something and then get a lot of other people excited about it such that the momentum carries itself because you can't be managing 100 different people. Yeah, exactly. And then my current expression of that is uh, basically going from a lot of that mass orchestration to now kind of really focusing in on that kind of creative development. So how does the product look when it goes out to market? What are the words we say? What does the video look like? How does that function? How do I slice and dice that a million different ways so that the social team can use it, but also the web team can use it, but also the retail team can use it? So there's kind of like a lot of contingencies and kind of a lot of reliance on the materials that our team develops. So it has to be kind of developed in a specific way to reach scale, right? Of course, the the, the efficiency and the economics of a piece of content, you know, how does this translate 17 different ways and and, and speak to each of those audiences? Exactly. And, and then kind of how do you make something that is exciting on on social, but also kind of like it drives comprehension on the website, right? So it's kind of it's a it's a fun balance. 
and it keeps me interested and keeps me in that creative space, which I love. Yeah, it's such an interesting job. I can only imagine what this would have looked like 20 years ago, and it looks nothing like it does today. I'm sure. You're exactly right. A lot more, yeah. a lot more uh, video calls as we're <laughs> as 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 we're experiencing. Yeah. So I know relationships are obviously a big part of what you do, and that's one of the big insights you wanted to share today. So can you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. So once you are you've got your pitch together, you're saying like, hey, like this is our product, this is, or this is the campaign, this is how we're going to go about it to influence other people to kind of sign up and get them on board to go do the thing on your behalf, you have to develop strong relationships. I think that's one of the skills at a really large company that you have to develop really, really well. Otherwise, you may get sidelined, it become political, people can just ignore you and kind of go do their own thing. So by having those strong relationships and developing them, you are able to hold people accountable, influence them to kind of do things on your behalf, but then also get a collective group marching toward a, a specific goal, right? So mm-hmm. instead of everyone running in their own direction, which kind of is a, a diffusion of energy and ends up kind of the, the sum of all the parts does not equal something greater, right? You kind of direct people in one direction and we kind of get that critical mass to reach consumers. Yeah, it's interesting. There's like, you have the hard, the sort of the hard authority and the soft authority. And the hard authority is I'm the vice president of this, or I, I'm in charge of that, and yeah. and therefore you have to listen to me. But there's the soft authority too, which is developing those relationships in an organization where people know you, they like you, they trust you, they take your word for it. And it's like, we just need to listen to this guy because he knows what he's talking about. And that's something that that you're describing really well, where people really need to have faith in what you're saying and want to follow you. And that's a lot of soft skills right there. Yeah, exactly. You have to establish credibility for yourself. Like I think we've all had those leaders in your company who's like, we're going this way. And everyone's like, no, man, we're not going that way. Like we have like 75 other problems we got to fix right now. You know what I mean? Right. So by establishing that credibility and managing those relationships and kind of helping people see their place in the bigger picture, they are able to show up for you. And then they can kind of, we succeed or we don't, right? Right. So let me ask you this, and I've struggled with this as a leader myself. How do you prioritize? You might have 15 thoughts in your mind, and here's all yes. the things I have to do. And you know, some are a little bigger and some are a little smaller. But what you communicate outward to those 100 people, yeah. plus, they're going to act on. And they're not going to act yeah. on 15 things. They're going to act on right. maybe one or two things if you're lucky. Yeah. How do you communicate and to yourself and say, Okay, this yeah. is what I got to do. And then how do you put that message outwards and say no to a whole bunch of other stuff? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. Short answer, I think it comes down to like your key results, like kind of like what you're actually trying to do. Like, so at the end of the day, someone might be like, Hey, I got this really cool new app. It does this really fun thing. And you're like, cool, but like that doesn't help me drive sales. And I know what I'm gold on. So that's what I'm going to do. I think context is everything for these kinds of conversations, right? There are some teams who like they really need to get into the details. Like if you're the support team, like you need. You need a level of detail that if I'm pitching to my executives, I like give me the clips notes version, give me like the three minute pitch. And so having your kind of having it kind of coalesce, like these are the the three main important things, but then I can provide those double clicks and that that kind of detail at a later time or to the teams that need it. I think that kind of it's a skill that you develop over time. And I think that's something that uh yeah, that's definitely a, a big part of it. I feel like that answered your question. Yeah, no, it did. I'm just thinking back. I 
I've been in meetings where there's, let's say, a tech person, a creative person, and a business person. And whenever somebody has the floor, there's a risk that they're going to drone on about stuff that's super important to them. But to the stakeholder in the room, let's say it's an executive, they don't need to know that the purple button is 300 pixels. Like It's totally irrelevant, but that's this person's whole life. And so, as you said, having the Coles Notes versions and then being ready to double-click in... That's something that a lot of people actually don't don't pick up on. They they think yeah. that what's important to them is important to everyone, and you no, know, mm-hmm. it's super important for you, but not in the context, uh, you know, every single day. Exactly, and I think it's all relative, right? Like, so you know, you when you're emailing out to the design team who designed the purple button, you might want to make a mention of that in your email and be like, "That purple button did so many great things, you guys. Right. Good job on the purple button." But also, here's the TLD, like, here's the summary for the execs and just be like, okay, cool, we launched something. And then they like move on to their next email, right? This podcast is brought to you by Influicity. Since 2015, we've been building brand communities that drive revenue. First, we did it through influencers. Then we added podcasts. Today, we work with world-class brands to build, optimize, and run breakthrough programs that create and capture demand. It's time to stop renting your influence and start owning it. Learn more at Influicity.com. So again, it's, it's about that context. I think also really clearly establishing roles and responsibilities. Like for example, we have a lot of engineers who build products who are very passionate about the products that they build but they may not be marketing experts. And so for me, it's like, this is what I need you to be accountable for, providing me product information, providing me specific details that I'm asking you for, kind of basic stuff like launch dates and all that stuff. And then kind of, this is my team. This is a marketing team. We do the creative expression. We choose colors. We choose imagery. We kind of understand audience insights to make sure that the stuff that we're showing people maps to kind of what they want to see for themselves and their lives. And then just being clear about that up front, right? Because if the engineering team is like, no, 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 but I want the video. It needs to be like this YouTube video that I love. You're going to be like, okay, cool. Thank you. We'll consider that. But we actually need to do this because this is what the social team needs to be effective, right? If, if you're putting it out on that platform. How close are you to the end result? And my second part of that question is... Is it common for you to see the end result and say, well, how did it get there? Like, I thought it was going to be this and it's like that. Yes, story of my life. So, Microsoft, little company for Windows, we market in 128 markets around the world across a bevy of retailers. We have our own kind of like Microsoft owned channels as well. So, there are things that I send out into the world that I may never see again, or I'll see it and be like, very interesting interpretation, right? <laughs> I think uh, for me and my my job over the last like four or five years, particularly with the launch of Windows 11, we've kind of started to better document things a little bit better, provide clear and specific examples in that kind of documentation and kind of the, the guidance that we provide to our teams. So for example, I might show how a media, a banner that goes into like a media, a paid media campaign looks like because I want to make sure that that one's right. Because you kind of do the examples for the channels that, that you know need to perform so that they have very clear guidance and that they can't go too far off of the rails because they kind of know what you're expecting of them, right? Yeah, that may- makes a lot of sense. Okay, let's get into another point here. You have a few things you wanted to talk about. Developing a narrative, creating clarity and choice. Which one do you want to go to next? Yeah, I think developing a narrative, it's really just about kind of telling your own story. I think a lot of us, you know, particularly as marketers, you get 
you get really invested in the story of your company, you get really invested in the story of your product, the thing that you're working on, the app, the experience. And then you kind of, a lot of us have to take that time, take that reflection time to develop your own story, right? The way in which you kind of pitch yourself to recruiters, to leadership, to your peers, that has a lot to do with how they perceive you and how you can quickly establish trust with them. If you come and you've got a story that has like data, you've got like great points, you kind of you have clear and specific examples. These are the partnerships I've worked on, these are the projects I've worked on. Then you've got like a much more solid pitch than someone's like, yeah, I do marketing. Like you were talking about at the beginning. Like, yeah, that's that's kind of a, a broad space. Tell me more, you know? Right. You want to kind of have that kind of clear, clear narrative for yourself. You can think about it like a fairy tale, kind of like a, you know, once upon a time, there's a person doing a thing. And then you kind of build your story from there. Like even getting down to those basics really help you hear how it comes across. I think it also can help you shape how you want to be perceived in that you can tell a little bit more of an exciting story for yourself, or you can really tell yourself a negative story. I think a lot of us through the pandemic have experienced some of that where you kind of get trapped in like imposter syndrome, you get trapped in kind of a negative talk track. And then you might be communicating that through subtle cues to other people. And then they're like, ah, well, this guy doesn't really believe in himself. So I'm going to move on to the next one. The framework you talked about, the fairy tale framework is actually a really good one. I've used the hero's journey a lot. So I always think about just like on a product, I say, okay, well, there's a hero. And maybe you could say the hero is my product or the hero is the customer and my product is guiding them along. And then think about the hero's journey. You know, they, they start off maybe high and then they have a low point and then they kind of rise back up again. And using a framework like that or like the fairy tale framework, it really, really helps because I feel like a lot of people, when they're trying to come up with stories and narratives, they're basing it on nothing. They're coming up with stories in their brain. And it's like, guys, there are proven frameworks to use where you can hit one beat, two beat, three beat, four and keep people's interests. I think that's super important. Can you dig in? I don't know if you can give an example, but like, can you give an example of a narrative that you created and how it turned out? Yeah, absolutely. I took this course, it's called The Future of Storytelling. And it's interesting how they're talking about where storytelling is going by going back to the basics, going back to the hero's journey, a lot of that kind of more essential storytelling that's been done over time, because it's proven that it works, right? Like if you look at your favorite Marvel movies, you look at your favorite TV shows, they're either using that as a framework and turning it on its head, or they're kind of they're following it to the T, you know what I mean? So uh, they're all the same. It's it's, it's, it's always right? the same thing. I just sort of cut you off. I just watched Top Gun Maverick. I just saw it last yeah. weekend. And as I'm watching it, I literally am just saying, okay, this is the hero's journey. So he gets called back and then he has to yeah. go and then he falls down. And it's every single story is the same. And there's a reason. We love those stories. Totally. And I think, you know, a lot of people can use this in for internal kind of purposes as well, talking to their manager about their job and how they can define their own job for themselves. I, again, this is something that I think is a little easier in a bigger company where there's a little bit more space to kind of define what that is. But you know, if you never tell your manager, like, this is something that I like hate doing, if you kind of, or this is what I love doing, and this is where I want to go, they can't help you either stop taking on those projects that you're not good at, or kind of direct you towards the projects that you that you want to be better at, or kind of learn about, right? So I think the framework is pretty consistent. And I think it'll, you can apply it to, to pretty much anything at this point, either your, your story with your customers, your story with your leadership team, your story with yourself, recruiters, I think it's super applicable. And as you kind of develop that skill set over time, it just becomes a little bit more second nature. So I just even kind of like write it down in a notebook. 
For example, I was working with my manager to define the role that I have right now. I wrote down like, these are the things that I love doing. These are the things that I'm great at doing, but maybe don't necessarily love. These are the things that I hate doing. These are the things that I am just actually really bad at doing. And by having that, I was able to say like, this is where I need to focus my attention because it's things that I love doing, things that I know that I have the strengths in and I want to develop them further. And these are the things that I'm going to let go because they no longer serve me or they're working towards something that I have no passion or kind of no skills for. Well put, well put. Ricky, this was awesome. Really, really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for listening to Modern Marketing. This podcast is brought to you by Influicity, empowering marketers to build customer communities that drive revenue. We create massive demand via social, influencer, content, paid media, and of course, podcast. Learn more at Influicity.com.